0: You are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Hey everyone, this is Tony Dow with Pharmacy IT and Me and welcome to another episode. And on today's episode, we'll be speaking with Dr. David Berkowitz in terms of what he does in pharmacy informatics and technology. And you know, I'm really excited to have David on the show today. So before we get started, David, how are
1: you doing today? Hey Tony, thanks uh, thanks a lot for having me. I I really appreciate all, everything you're doing for our pharmacy informatics community and for promoting pharmacy informatics. It's really cool. We love listening to your podcast. So thanks again for doing that. Oh well,
0: yeah, of course. And, you know, thank you so much for taking some time out. I know you're really busy. And, uh, you know, just to be on the podcast and sharing your story. And I know you have a really interesting journey. So I'm really like interested in hearing that. So can you kind of just, you know, start off sharing about what your journey kind of started out with, like why you got into pharmacy and, you know, other things like that and how you got into where you are today?
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. So my journey is pretty interesting, actually. I I started working in pharmacy when I was 14. Pharmacy, one would say, is like pretty much in my DNA. My dad's a pharmacist, my uncle's a pharmacist, a big supporter of pharmacists and pharmacy in general. So I started working at Walgreens and I worked all through pretty much through halfway point of my pharmacy education. And then at some point, I felt like I wanted to just see another part of pharmacy. And you'll, you'll notice throughout this journey, like I'm somewhat of a restless person in the sense that if there's an urgent problem to solve, I just will move on and try to solve it. So I started thinking that I could make more of an impact, at least from the clinical perspective by moving into hospital pharmacy. So I got a job at Tulsa Michael Center and from there I eventually became a clinical pharmacist. So I'm working at the front lines of pharmacy and I started noticing, you know, a lot of different holes in our system, a lot of workarounds. And I think that everyone who works in healthcare can say that there's just a lot of sort of jerry with workflows. There's, there's definitely, there's definitely more holes than we would like. So thinking that I could impact healthcare more broadly in the sense of finding ways to fill those gaps i decided to move into pharmacy management so i moved into pharmacy management and one of the things that is was surprising to me and, and, and super impactful was every day when you're a hospital administrator and in you're inboxing your email you start getting safety reports so in my case I'm a pharmacy manager so i'm getting medication safety reports and that was really sort of eye-opening for me i didn't I just didn't expect that and, and, and it was it really affected the sort of the trajectory of my career. As I read more and more of these I I, I decided I needed to make sort of my life's work to improve medication safety and I, I was became sort of obsessed, if you will, singularly focused on improving medication safety. And to do that I, I spent a lot of time sort of analyzing the problem. And the first thing I noticed was that When you think about medication safety reports, they're self-reported, right? So to me, that tells me that there's probably a lot going on underneath the hood because to submit a report, there's friction in the sense that means that the amount of safety reports you're getting are in in some ways just... uh, a representation of your culture of safety in, in your own institution. So I started spending a lot of time looking deeper. So looking for surrogates, looking for other indicators of patient harm. So for that, I mean things like when a patient has hypoglycemia, one indicator would be a patient who received dextrose 50% right? because that's a, a drug that would be used to, to fix a patient's hypoglycemia. So I started doing some database work to try to analyze and predict what other things that were going on underneath the hood that weren't being reported in the safety report. So from there, I ended up thinking that I needed to improve my skills at database and, and predictive modeling. So at home, I went home, I would work my day job as a hospital an administrator, and at home, I started taking classes in SQL and Python. So that really gave me a pretty strong sort of background into into how I could go about Doing, getting better analytics. So, um, throughout this, another sort of piece of background is my brother is head consultant for AWS. So Amazon Web Services, and he doesn't talk to me about any specific customers, but absolutely we would have discussions about like how Amazon, how they approach problems and how they go about solving the problem. And it became very clear to me that healthcare itself is very behind the times in terms of using analytics to drive this business, out- business outcomes or Using analytics to, in this case, improve patient care. So I ended up to try to solve this. I started using my skills networking throughout my health system. And, and I actually had a little bit of a sort of side quest where I worked for a company called pillow health. And if you haven't heard of them, you can Google them and they're really neat sort of robotics company. And I ended up working out, working for them because I was, came. Pretty interested in, in uh, medication adherence because if you want to prevent harm in the hospital, one easy way is to keep patient healthy at home. So medication adherence is a really good way of keeping patients healthy at home. But anyway, I digress. So I started like trying to get more traction within within my health system to build more predictive models and to predict harm before they happen because that's sort of that's the last mile, right? We don't want patients to get harmed when they're in the hospital. We want to do no harm. We want we want to heal and not cause harm. So started again, started sort of promoting these things within my hospital and, and trying to find a better way really. And unfortunately, if you think about how healthcare gets paid for, and you think about healthcare incentives, I was working for a fee-for-service entity and that means that if I were to prevent, prevent a hospitalization for say hypoglycemia, the hospital will lose money. So if that's my goal to prevent uh, an admission for hypoglycemia, there's just no ROI for my model. So not, and not to say that administrators I work with don't care about these things. They, of course they do. It's just that these is the incentive structure that I, I work with and hospital administrators, they have millions of problems they're trying to solve and a lot of different sort of competing agendas that they have to deal with. And, and that sort of my specific mission didn't seem to be as much aligned with the administration that I was working with. And again, I, I don't want to make them sound like they weren't trying to improve patient care. Of course they were, just not specifically in my realm of passion. So that really, in a nutshell, kind of brought me to OmniCell because OmniCell is a company that they are incentivized to improve patient safety and they have a really long, pretty amazing track record at doing so. So I'll, I guess I'll stop there because I, I spoke for a while, and I want to hear your feedback and and I'd love some sort of additional questions. I'm happy if you were to sort of drill down on specifics about my background, but just uh, to close up there, close that thread, like super excited to be working on myself because there's some amazing things going on and, and we have some just really kind of innovative stuff happening to improve the things that I care about the most, which is uh, patient safety.
0: Wow, that's like a really incredible journey. And you know, like when you talked about Pillow, uh, a while ago, I found out that you worked at Pillow and I looked it up and it's a really interesting company. And uh, is it okay that you share with the listeners what Pillow does and what, you know what their goals are with patient care?
1: Yeah, sure. Of course. Yeah. So Pillow is at its core a medication adherence device. When a patient was were to buy a Pillow device, they place their medications into this device, and it has uh, it's anthropomorphic, so it has a face, it can talk to you. It uses natural language processing to um, sort of like your Alexa device, and it can answer questions for you, it can provide information on diet, provide information about your medications. The goal with Pillow would be to just sort of help patients make healthier choices at home and to to nudge them towards healthier behaviors. So. My role with them was I was director of pharmacy strategy. I ended up spearheading a pilot with ARP in which we deployed the device to patients who have who were newly do- diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and uh, our goal really was to prevent patients from progressing to needing insulin so to do that we we employed a lot of behavioral economics techniques i'm not sure if you're familiar with, with behavioral economics but some really kind of influential books at least for my career would be thinking fast and slow Nudge, Predictably Irrational. So these books are basically like, they explain sort of the psychology behind how how humans make choices and how we make decisions. And there's little techniques, like for example, one good way to prevent people from eating snacks is to just put their snacks in a place that's hard to get because it creates like a friction point. So we we used some of these sort of techniques and and provided patients empowered patients really to to use these techniques to in this case improve their diet or to to establish sustained exercise routines. And In addition to that, we also did some some data science around trying to sort of cluster patients by type. And this is these are techniques that are used in marketing. So marketing will use this thing called market segmentation, right? Where they they will look at you, look at your profile, and try to predict how you might behave. And that helps them with with marketing products to you. And these same sort of concepts apply to healthcare as well. So if we know that, for example, perhaps you are the type of person that likes herbals, right? So what does that say about you? Maybe that says you're more open-minded. So as as we create sort of voice journeys for patients we will create them specifically for that patient type so that way the the message is sort of more personalized the things that you that you'll respond to if that makes sense
0: yeah yeah that makes sense and you know all the things that you did at pillow you know learning all the different approaches and strategies on how to get someone to adhere to medication um, what kind of things did you kind of learn that helped you you know kind of apply it at Omnicell? like did things apply at all or or are they kind of like different at Omnicell?
1: So absolutely, yeah, it's a great point. So I'd say the first thing that I learned actually was that I'm not sure if it's really a learning per se, but one thing I really loved about working for Pillow was the teamwork and establishing a team. Not that not to say say that I didn't feel like I was working as a team in my hospital pharmacy. It was more that we had a very specific goal. We were a startup, so that means our resources were limited and the stakes were really high when you work for a startup. Right, because your your runway, which a runway is the amount of money you have in the bank to be able to sustain your operation. These are really like really big things that a startup has to think about. So, I'd say that one thing I learned was just sort of more cultural than per se, like the the behavioral economics. I wouldn't say that. I'm not sure I learned that as much around around medication adherence because I already had a lot of experience in that realm. But it was more of just learning about working within a different type of culture, as well as I'd say that one other thing I did learn actually was was how to pitch a product and how to sell to customers and how to sell to investors. So that was a skill that I never had before. But when you work for a startup, you really have to be comfortable outside of your swim lane because there's just not that many people to do the uh, sort of the essential functions, so you have to be comfortable doing really many different activities, which is which is really cool.
0: Oh yeah, that's that's really cool. It's like you're wearing many hats, and you get to learn a lot and kind of develop your skill set, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Tony. So in sort of pulling along that thread, and although OmniCell is <laughs> clearly not a startup, the the department that I work up really does somewhat work within startup mentality where we're learning as we go, we're iterating or piloting or prototyping all the time. That sort of same skill from Pillow does carry over to my team in OmniCell. Specifically, I work for the OmniCell Performance Center, which is a department that provides the customers with insights. So, So the things I care about the most were we're using customers' data to its maximum potential. And in this case, specifically, what we're starting with is improving inventory management, preventing drugs from expiring on the shelves, improving inventory turns, those type of things. But we do have goals to expand out from that, but that's really kind of what we focus on right now.
0: Oh, so that's really cool. So you did say that you work for the Performance Center. Is that like a new department or has it always been there? Or is it fairly new? Like, what's the timeline on that?
1: So Performance Center has been in existence for approximately three years and it's a growing department and we found that there's just, you know, most hospitals don't have a dedicated analytics team. There's some sort of larger IDNs that that do have their own departments and most of them don't. And we're able to fill that gap because we, we can take customers' data and we can provide them insights and do that work for them. So it's really a nice service and I love helping out hospitals that that don't have this, these type of resources, and you know, for example, one of the main reasons that I ended up learning SQL and Python and R is because because I didn't have that dedicated resource when I was a pharmacy administrator. We used Epic at my last hospital, and Epic, totally reasonable program, but to get information out of it isn't that easy. And to get, for example, to get the way that um, Epic has reports, the Epic database is set up so that there's um, Cache, which is built off of month's database, which is a sort of ancient computer language that started out of Mass General. And that database itself is optimized for, for production, for, for performance. And then every night, they take a subset of that data and they put it into what's called Epic Clarity. Epic Clarity is a SQL Server-based reporting tool. But to get access to SQL Server, you have to go to Wisconsin for two weeks, give them money, and, and take an exam. And do some sort of project. So where I worked, it was they were really smart, and they they took that information from Clarity, copied it over into an enterprise data warehouse. So I ended up tr- leveraging our enterprise data warehouse because what would happen was I would ask for a report, and I would get put into a queue, and the queue was about a year long, a year late to get <laughs> my my report acted upon. So I took sort of like a DIY approach. So I I call it DIY or punk rock pharmacy where You kind of have to, and that's the punk rock ethos is do it yourself because I was spending so much time waiting for a report and and then once my report did come up, I would spend months just sort of going back and forth with a report writer because the report writer doesn't have the the pharmacy expertise. So I have to describe pretty regularly in, in frequent meetings what information do I want back and they would go back, do trial and error. So I ended up just teaching it to myself because... It was just so time consuming to, to get this information out of Epic. And that's, that's a good segue into our Performance Center Fellowship.
0: Yeah, I actually do want to ask you more about the fellowship program, but I do want to comment though, you know, about like learning yourself, because when I first started, I kind of went through a similar process too, where, you know, we had a contracted report writer come in, you know, we would tell them something, they'll give us something, it's not right, and then we tell them again, then give it back to us again, it's still not right, and then their contract ends, and then a new report writer will come in, and then we start the process over again, and we did it like maybe three times, like three different report writers. So yeah, I felt the same way as you, and I ended up, you know, learning SQL myself as well. So I really understand what you just said there.
1: Yeah, that that's exactly right. So that is, that's what it's really like, to get information. From your system is not easy. It's not as easy as it should be. I'm excited about Performance Center because we offer that service to customers. We do that hard work and we have a pretty, we have a brilliant team. We have multiple brilliant data scientists who have pharmacy expertise that I work with, on the, as well as people like me, pharmacy pharmacy subject matter experts that are able to work together to create these analytics.
0: Yeah, that's actually a really cool service you're providing from the Performance Center. And you know, going back to the fellowship you
1: alluded to, can you kind of describe a little bit more about what that entails? Right. And I, at first, I want to say that a couple of things is that you're an informaticist. You're passionate about technology. I'm passionate about technology. But I think it's pretty safe to say that all of us who are informaticists and who are passionate about technology, we're not techno chauvinists. So I just want to make that clear. We don't think that tech is going to solve the world's problem. But but for me, we you know I I'm in, in this game and I do this work because I'm looking to get I'm looking to get clinicians, pharmacists specifically, out of the basement. I'm looking to I'm looking to give them better tools because if you look at how much work is being spent in a pharmacy. Most of that work is sort of what I call stuff work. It's just mindless work, counting pills, distributing meds. Probably I believe I've seen some statistics up to like seventy percent of the clinician's pharmacy clinician's time is spent just doing regulatory or Pharmacy distribution. We can we can do better. The computers can do better. Robots can do better. And what I'm aiming at, what I'm trying to get at, is when you and I are in a hospital, right? Like this is our job. We go into a hospital, or when I wasn't working in a hospital anyway, this is our job. When we go there, we forget. You know, we go, we forget about it. But when a patient's there, and I want to be really clear about this, and, and and I'm sure it'll resonate pretty strongly with my pharmacist colleagues out there. When a patient is there, that's a really big deal for them. This is what we considered a memory burn where they will remember time in the hospital because they're anxious, they're, they're scared perhaps, they're maybe in pain. So what I'm trying to get at is to get pharmacists closer to patients, to hold their hand, to explain their meds, to build that connection with the patient because at the end of the day, that's what healthcare needs to be, relationship driven. So moving on to the fellowship, and why I'm excited about that is, is to build these tools, right? The, the tools I'm talking about, analytics tools, AI. and we already sort of touched on this a little bit, like you and I have had experience working with programmers, working with report writers. They don't know anything about pharmacy. They can learn, and we can teach them, but they'll never really have the subject matter expertise that you and I have. And to build these tools, you need to have that backbone. You need that the clinical background? The operational background, you need to know how to deploy clinical decision support into workflows, you need to know hospital workflows. And who better to do that than pharmacists, right? So what I'm really passionate about, and you could probably tell my voice and I'm getting a little excited about talking about this, is that we as a profession, we as pharmacists, have a big opportunity here to contribute to really making transformational change for healthcare. And, and frankly, these tools aren't going to build themselves. We need more people to have the technical skills combined with the clinical knowledge to be able to build these tools. So OmniCell recognizes that, and they funded a fellowship program, which I'm leading at the moment. And this fellowship is going to be in data analytics. So it's a year-long program where we will be teaching students, or in this case, new young clinicians, about data analytics. So we have some pretty exciting assets at OmniCell. So they'll be having hands-on work with databases. They'll be learning SQL. They'll be learning R, but as well, in addition to that, our fellowship, our fellows will also be able to have customer facing times. So they'll be able to manage customer relationships and lead meetings. And the goal being to graduate a clinician that has skills in data analytics, but also has the ability to maybe jump into a consulting role and graduating fellow hopefully will work for Omnicell. But if not, we'll have pretty expertise training and pharmacy database and database management and consulting.
0: So you're leading this fellowship and that's a pretty big endeavor. And, you know, when leading something, there's usually a lot of passion involved. And I kind of want to hear, like, I I want to ask you uh, what kind of like pushed you or inspired you to move towards this route?
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, we just need more pharmacists to have expertise in analytics. We need more folks who, who can combine that subject matter expertise with the technical skill. And in terms of expanding roles, when I worked at Tusk Medical Center, the director there his name was Bill Govea. I really looked up to him and one of the, his big missions as a hospital pharmacy leader was to expand roles. And I, and leading this fellowship really gives me the opportunity to sort of follow in his footsteps and, and to help sort of trailblaze the way forward for our profession to create new opportunities to expand pharmacy into, into non-traditional roles. And if you think about it, the profession itself, there's just, or not even just the profession. When I think about healthcare, right, if I look at our spending, we are spending more money, but our outcomes are not improving. That's a big problem. And that tells me that more people can be the answer. So, as a pharmacy administrator, it's really challenging to get new pharmacy jobs. So, in this case, by having a fellowship, I'm creating new jobs, which is awesome for the profession. In addition, what we're working on and what this fellow will be able to create are better tools, so pharmacy pharmacists, frontline healthcare workers can spend their times on interventions that matter. And your time more efficiently so this is like pretty much a huge win-win this fellowship in terms of improving expanding our role as well as helping hopefully hopefully helping help find healthcare workers who are working hard every day taking care of patients
0: awesome awesome so you know you were talking about expanding roles and you know that process it does take time it does take time to come to fruition and in the meantime there are pharmacists out there or even pharmacy students who are very interested in pharmacy informatics, or, you know, maybe just in general, healthcare IT, right? Um, And you have a very unique journey. You had a lot of like administrative experience, you had some experience at Pillow. And, um, you know, I'd be curious about like, what kind of advice you would give to pharmacists or pharmacy students who are very interested into getting into these type of roles out there?
1: That's such a great question, Tony. So I'm going to give you somewhat of a two part answer here. So the first part, is I, I like so many problems. I like working on really challenging problems. And what's more challenging than our healthcare system, right? And we, as I mentioned earlier in our talk, we're spending more money, but our outcomes are going down. Uh, that's really not a good position to be in. So I'd say when I, when people ask me this question, I think first, what problem are you trying to solve? Like, what, what's your passion? What's your mission in the world? What's your why? So that's a, that's always a good place to start. And then you can start thinking about, what sort of what path to take. So for me you'll see that I'm passionate about medication safety. So in in analyzing the problem, one of the best ways to improve medication safety is to improve analytics and to create predictive models to prevent harm. Another good way is just keeping patients healthy out of the hospital. So if you're healthy at home, you're likely not going to be in the hospital. So that's why I got interested in chronic care management and medication adherence and also why I got interested in specifically analytics. So I'd say first like what's your what's your why, as I mentioned earlier. And then I'd say like specifically as it relates specifically to informatics, there's just so many tools working out there. And as to share with your audience, you Tony and I were on the same committee, we're on the ASHP section of pharmacy informatics and we're both on the professional development committee. And this all makes sense, right? So I care a lot about improving professional development to get more folks interested in informatics. So you and I specifically are working on a document that's basically kind of like a roadmap to how to get involved in informatics from it's from, I guess, specifically the, the different resources out there available online, including classes, including books to read, including articles. So that's going to be, and that should be, i the manager will probably publish that sometime in the next six months. So that'll be a really good resource for folks to start with getting involved in informatics. And I know I said I'd give two answers, but I'm going to give you three because I just thought of another one. Is just networking, building relationships, getting connected to people. So when you go to a conference, don't sit in your room. Go Shake somebody's hand. Go make build a relationship. Go to networking events. There's just there's no substitute for building relationships. It, it takes a lot of work and it does take effort. And if you think about pharmacists, who are like typically introverts, like perhaps in the basement of the hospital. But you kind of have to get out of that mentality and, and go go out and meet people. And, and if you think about our informatics community right now, it's just an amazing time to be in informatics. We have this sort of cohort of people. Led pretty much by our current director of ASHP Sopit, Sam Anderegg, where we we all are very connected around around and passionate about building better tools to improve the lives of front care healthcare, healthcare workers, including pharmacists. And we're all very and there's a whole sort of I don't want to call it a rat pack, but uh, it is similar to the rat pack where there's a group of us who are connected very regularly and we share. And I want to say at least once a week that I'm sharing ideas and, and sort of bouncing ideas off of each other and, and getting information about different systems and just sort of learning from each other. And it's just in general, a really great time. And one easy way to be part of that group is just join the pharmacist Slack group where we're all on it, or there's an ASHP unofficial Slack group also that one could join to try to get connected. And we're all very responsive and, and, and we'll get back to people who have questions or or there's always somebody available to answer a question. I'm wondering if you so like commenting on that or, or expanding on what we're working on with our professional development group.
0: Oh, yeah, I agree with everything that you said. And, you know, the ASHP thing that we're working on, it does have some things that we need to iron out. But, yeah, that's definitely a great resource for folks to get into informatics or getting the resources to to learn more about informatics. And the other thing, too, like your mention of the Pharmacist Slack group, like, you know, I always try to mention that on every podcast episode that I have. Uh, it's actually how I ma- maintain contact with you and also how I started talking to Richard Wade from Rx Radio. And it's just overall like a very positive environment and it's a great environment and I'm glad that you brought it up.
1: And I can even sort of piggyback on, no, on those comments and Richie Waits is a friend of mine. And it's fun, here's a funny anecdote about Richie is, and it'll speak to the power of social media, is, is I got connected to Richie because he posted videos online where he was doing video, videos about medication counseling. And I was working at pillow and at the time we were, the robot that we were selling has videos. We we're planning on implementing videos into a robot, and I really liked his videos. They were homemade in his apartment, and I reached out to him because I was, wanted him to produce videos for us and we didn't end up we didn't end up using him for the videos, but he did make it to the final two, and I can't share unfortunately with who we chose for the videos, but those who we chose. For a fortune 500 company like they're professional videos so that speaks to sort of the power of social media that you can put something out there and, and make it to the final round of pretty significant contracts so that's pretty that's pretty neat that what one is able to do that and that again speaks to sort of how easy it is to make connections in this day and age
0: yeah it's definitely crazy what people can do nowadays with social media and you know i also maintain contact with richie and you know we were able to be on each other's podcast there but i do want to mention too that sometimes it does feel a little bit intimidating to reach out to some individuals. But if you kind of think about it like these other individuals are just like you and everyone's just really nice and trying to form connections, maybe that kind of helps. And, you know, going off of that, if anyone who's listening right now wanted to reach out specifically to you, David, what's the best way that they can contact you at?
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm very sort of responsive, connected, hyper. I consider myself just hyper-connected. I'm able to be contacted through... LinkedIn, pharmacist Slack, through Twitter, Facebook, and you know, pretty much any sort of social media outlet. And I I always meet up with people who ask me to meet up. So not necessarily in person, because I meet up with people from all over the world, But or I get requests to, to chat with people from all over the world anyway. Pretty regularly, almost once a week, I will have, say, a video call or just a phone call with someone who's interested in sharing ideas or hearing more about what I'm working on or my background. So definitely please feel free to reach out and I'll schedule a meeting and just a little bit of a, another sort of story. A couple of years ago, I, um, one of, is was pretty clear from this discussion is I care a lot about professional development and I'm a preceptor for Mass College of Pharmacy. And I started teaching my students Python. I wrote a story in Pharmacist Times about teaching students coding. And from there, I got tons of people reaching out to me. It was super like, exciting and interesting that so many people were interested in, in learning more about having pharmacy students getting involved in coding. So that's um, sort of just a quick anecdote about how... How easy it is to connect with people.
0: Wow, that's really awesome. And I think there's an underappreciation of how coding is really important. And I, I really think that, you know, learning coding can help with understanding syntax and understanding how the concept of making a small change in a structure can change the overall meaning. And this is not even just IT, but you know, overall life, right? Like even just email communication, changing, you know, a little bit of the sentence structure can change the entire meaning of the email. So I think it's really great that you got contacted about, you know, like there was a high interest of... uh teaching coding to pharmacy students so you know i'll be putting the information to how to reach out to you into our show notes but i also wanted to say thank you again thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy day to be on the podcast and you know i'm really sure that you know our listeners have learned a lot from you know your journey your experiences and even you know the the program that you are leading today
1: yeah my pleasure and i look forward to seeing you at ashp mid-year and definitely anyone in the audience please feel free to reach out to me i hope to hear from you
0: Alright, if you like our show, please share with your friends or you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can also check us out on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or LinkedIn and you can also reach out to me at Tony at PharmacyITME.com If you want to network, you can check out the Pharmacist Slack group at PharmacistConnect.com which is and tcom There's different topic channels including informatics and I've met some great colleagues on there and I look forward to connecting with you as well. Thank you again for listening and I'll see you on the next episode of Pharmacy CIT and me, and remember, technology is a tool, patient care is the goal.